Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and thank you for joining me once again. And for all of you listening from around the world, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate the love because hopefully after every show, you have learned something, you feel empowered from learning something, and you have passed on that education to inspire somebody else so you and they can live a fearlessly authentic life because isn't that what it's all about? Because we're all afraid of something and we all want to be the truest form of ourselves. And sometimes that's not so easy. And today's guest is really going to talk about fear, building a business, dropping out of college, becoming a powerhouse. I mean, this young woman has got her poop together. So we might be saying poop and shit and things like that today a little bit. But uh, before I uh, bring her right in to start sharing all her, her knowledge with us, her name is Angie Lee. And she is the host of the Angelie Show, and she is just a firecracker. I want to give you guys some information about her for those of you who do not know her, and I am going to tell you all about her right now. She is a college and corporate dropout. Angie gives you the tangible tools and hacks to crush it as an entrepreneur, find your purpose, and optimize your health. What began as a blog in her college dorm room blossomed into an international brand that helps thousands of ambitious women. Countless blogs, videos, and podcasts later, Angie is now a serial entrepreneur, author of Ready is a Lie, keynote speaker, creator of Pays to be Brave, I love that name, conference, top podcaster, educated educator, and seven-figure organic marketing maven. Angie Superpower, this is my favorite part of your bio, helping you make friends with fear and make money doing what you love. Welcome to the show, Angie Lee. Hello. Thank you so much, Jody. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. I have so many questions for you. I know that we are going to have so much to talk about and share with the audience. First of all, I wanted to start a long time ago, back when you were 19 years old, and what caused you to say, you know, college isn't for me. I know it's not for everybody, so it's not a big deal. There are millions of millionaires and billionaires out there who didn't attend college. So college isn't the end all, but what was it? Was your family, you know, uh, hey, you got to go to college and you felt this pressure. What happened when you got there? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like college is actually a huge disservice for a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs because it doesn't really train you to think outside the box. It doesn't really train you to be creative, to be a leader. If anything, school is training you to be a follower. Think about it. You have bells. You go to the same, you do the same thing every day. You go to seven or eight classes. You're standing in lines, responding to whistles. Like 
ever since I was about five, six years old, I would come home and I was like, mom, this feels like jail. Like, it sounds a lot like jail to me. You're told what to do all day. There's no, there's no, you know, creative expression. Like it's, it's not, it's not for me. And so at a, from a very young age, I noticed that I wasn't doing well in school and I wanted to go create things and do other things. And so my parents could always tell that I was a little rebellious and didn't want to follow the rules. But I think, you know, this is back in, gosh, the nineties, they thought, well, you know, I, I may as well tell her to finish school because that's how you become successful is you get a college degree and you get a fancy job that's safe and you get a 401k and then you die, right? Like that's life. <laughs> so Seriously, it is. That's the way it used to be. I mean, I have two daughters, they're 27 yeah. and 31. So I could Aww. totally relate to like the age group and, and yeah. being a millennial and getting it and, and the rebellion and so on. So that's what you yeah. thought. You were like, this feels like jail, but I guess it's something I need to continue to do because that's yeah. the path I'm supposed to go on. Maybe. Yeah. I felt like, is this the only way to be successful? I felt like if this was the only way to be successful, I have to stick with it, even though I felt such resistance in my heart and I felt so alone. I always felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I would be sitting in the back of a classroom looking around and asking myself, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here. I shouldn't be here. And so I was about two and a half years into college and I only had a few more credits to go, to be honest. I was about to enter into my last year and I walked into the counselor's office one day and I said, I'm out. I'm super depressed here. I'm blogging in the back of chemistry class. So I'm failing all my classes because when I'm there, I'm not really there. I'm not studying. I could give two shits about <laughs> nutrition. And then the girl next to me, I will always remember this. I was going to school to be a dietitian. I wanted to be a dietitian. I love nutrition. I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to be a dietitian for professional athletes. I'm going to get out, maybe work in hospitals. This is going to be great. And she said to me, you know, you make about 50 to 60 to you. She said to me, you make about 50 to $60,000 a year and you're going to work, you know, 60 hours a week. And I got out my calculator and I did some math and I was like, I'm out. No way. There's no way. I <laughs> that love to me is just, there's just no way I live in California as well. So you, you, just, you can't, you can't live in California on that. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is, what am I going to do? This is crazy. And so that's really when I took the risk and said, you know what? I'm going to be rebellious. I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to see if I can turn blogging into a full-time job and social media into a full-time job while all of them go work in a hospital and work for pennies basically. And so I was in Chicago at the time and then worked my butt off building that until I could finally move to California a few years ago. So you took a real chance. I think a lot of people wouldn't have the balls to do that because the fear of not knowing. And, you know, I've been overdosing on your podcast, getting to know you really, really well. I feel like I could adopt you as my daughter now. And let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. You would stick out a little bit from the brunettes, but it's okay. Yeah, but you seem You're, like a fun mom. So I'm in. I am a fun mom. I'm hoping my kids are listening right now, right? Tell them, girls. Um, you look you look 25 and you sound fun. So I will take you will be my mom or my big sister. Okay. All right. Thank you. You got it, you got a deal there. And it's you know, as parents, we just want our kids to live their their the life that they want to live. For my girls, I never really you know, you give them you give them the opportunities. This is where we think you should go. But at the end of the day, when you get to be a certain age, you get to make those decisions. So your parents knew that you were sort of rebellious. So they were they were thinking, yeah, this sounds like Angie. We're cool with this. And we support you 100%. Yeah. I remember the phone call. I can feel it because it was such a pivotal, it was such a pivotal moment in my life. Um, I remember the moment when I told the counselor I was quitting. She thought I was crazy. She told me, 
you know, this isn't safe. This isn't smart. Uh, you've already invested all this money. What are you going to do? So then I signed the papers. I left. I took my books. I think I literally threw them in a trash can. I cried because it was one of the best moments of my life because I was finally free. Because for me, you have to realize since four or five years old, since preschool, I have felt like I was in jail. I never felt like school was for me. And so to finally have the permission to not be there was the best feeling ever. So I press down on the elevator. I go, I go out of the building. I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I just quit college and I've never been happier. I never have to pretend to do homework ever again in my life <laughs> or pretend to study for a test. And she just was like, Ange, you know what? I've been waiting for this phone call. And that was it. And she was like, I am, I am not surprised. You think I didn't know since the day you were born that you were not going to follow the rules. And so I think she always knew and they always knew, but they still thought, you know, do the right thing and tell your daughter to go to school and get the fancy job and get that safe 401k. And so I think they were struggling with what they wanted to say to me, but then also what they felt like was the safest thing to do because they're parents and they just want me to be safe and happy. And that's ex- that's exactly yeah. how so many pa- that's so that's exactly how many so many parents feel. So yes. I know that feeling. I've I've gone through. I'm just about thirty years behind you. I will be sixty at the end of this month. It's crazy. So when when did you turn thirty? Give us all your beauty secrets. Um, <laughs> March 6th, I turned 30. So Okay, so my little one is March 2nd. She'll be 28 in on March 2nd. Aww. So that's my baby. And yeah. then my oldest will be 32 in June. So you're a Pisces. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. That's 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 where the love comes. It all that's makes sense. Now. Yes, yes. So it's you know, yes, we want to want. The, so you leave college. You're like, woohoo. Your parents are like, cool. We knew this from the beginning because we know our kids better than they know themselves. And so when did the fear ever ever come into play? Because I know you talk about fear all the time. So when did the fear come into your life? I think it was always there, but I think I'm a little bit crazy in the fact that I love uncertainty and I rather live in uncertainty and do what I want to do versus be told what to do and have certainty. So I think it's a mixture of I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I rather do what I want to do and be paid less than be told what to do. So I think my rebellious soul was like, you know what? I don't care if this doesn't even work out. I have to do this because I refuse to go work at a job where I have to sit down every day. I'm too hyper to sit down. I don't want to wear regular clothes every day. I don't want to be told what to do. And I don't want to make 40 grand a year before taxes and work 60 hours a week. Peace out. None of that sounds good. (laughs) So I I love it. You know, I thought I'm 21 years old. I don't have kids. Like anybody listening, I mean, any age, it doesn't matter what age you are. I think, you know, take life and and go do what you want to do. But especially if you're that young, I'm glad that I decided to be risky then before I had a family. And because I realized that now it, it it is more difficult for the women and men listening who do have families. But I, I said to myself, why don't I just burn the boats now? I don't have a lot to lose. I'm already a hundred thousand dollars in debt from school. My mom's like, all right, well, you got to figure out your debt. Here are your bills. You got to figure this out. I'm like, oh, shit. And I thought to myself, why don't I work a few side jobs and start building this blog and this brand on the side and see what happens? The worst thing that happens is I have to go find a job somewhere. But honestly, I was willing to to roll the dice. I was willing to at least try it. And gosh, for the women who listen to this and the women who follow me who are under 25 and they're so nervous. I'm like, just do it. You have nothing to lose. You don't even have kids yet. Like you I might just, as well I, live on I was ramen just noodles. Say that, right. I was just going to say the same thing. If you are listening right now or you listen to it tomorrow because we're live right now, 
you know, take your chances in their 20s. Please, please. I tell everybody the same thing that you, but you did it. I didn't do it. I was married at 25. So, so I lived my 20s in my 40s. Yeah. Wow. If you are in your 20s and you hate what you're doing or you don't want to go to school, get the hell out. I mean, you got to do it now before you do start a family, before you do have kids, because it just makes everything a lot easier. You just have a lot more freedom. You know, I was trying to find myself in my 40s while I was raising my kids. So tell me about the blog. So you start this blog in college, you leave college. What was the blog about? How much you hated being in prison? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, okay. So let me, I'm like, oh, it's so funny to think back because it feels like it was forever ago and it wasn't that long ago, but I feel like I've done so much in like nine years and I'm like, what yes. the heck happened? It's all just a blur because it was so fast and it was so impulsive. It was so impulsive. You know, I was a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I just didn't seem to care. Like banks were calling me and I was like, it's fine, whatever. I'll live on ramen noodles and turkey roll-ups my bills at the time were like two grand a month. So I was figuring out, okay, how can I make two to $3,000 a month and then show up on video, write these blog posts about wellness and nutrition. I was a personal trainer. That was one of my jobs. And so I would share what I was learning from my clients and, and what I was learning when I was giving them nutrition tips. And I, I stayed so consistent and it wasn't with the intention of, oh, I'll build this large brand or this will become something. It was kind of with the intention of, Hopefully I can learn how to make a few bucks online to pay off some of this debt. And I love fitness and nutrition and empowering women. So I'm just going to share a daily tip. And I loved social media. I love marketing. And so for me, it, it came somewhat natural to show up consistently. And I loved being on video and I love, I love writing. And so because communication came easily to me, I thought, you know what, I'll just double down on this. Even though my parents, my family, my friends, my ex-boyfriend at the time thought social media was silly. It's a waste of time who's going to buy things on social media. And I was like, uh, I think social media is the future of communication and commerce. I'm pretty sure everybody and their grandma is going to be buying things from Instagram one day or from these blogs and these websites. But again, 11 years ago, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as popular and people didn't really think that. So no, was Facebook even around 11 years ago? I remember when I got on Facebook, it was like, yeah, yeah, it was, but people were using it solely to share cat videos baby photos with grandma. People weren't using it yet as marketers. And then marketers, we came in and, and decided to treat it like a business. So I just started to forecast a little bit. And then I would study digital marketing on the weekends. I would literally stay up watching videos of these digital marketers teaching funnels and email lists. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a whole world. Oh my gosh, you can sell a digital product. You don't have to have a large overhead and strangers on the internet will pay me for motivation and information and I can help them. This is crazy. I was mind blown. And then my first $60 ebook sale, I called my mom again. Cause she, you know, she needed the updates on how broke I was all the time. And I was like, mom, uh, I just made a hundred dollars online from, you know, this little ebook and this little coaching program I'm set for life. And she was like, okay, but you know, 22 <laughs> years old, you made a hundred bucks online. You're like, uh, excuse me, everyone. I am on <laughs> the shit. Like, look I'm what I just did. Right. Does anyone need any financial help? I got you. Like, <laughs> I thought I was the shit. And so I really believe that I had this beautiful naivety to me. I had this beautiful naivety that, 
you know, I was stupid enough to think it was going to work. I literally was stupid enough to think it was going to work. I was like, this is going to work. I got one person on the internet to pay me a hundred bucks. I could get thousands too. But and this then is, this is the beauty of ignorance. Over. This is the beauty of ignorance is bliss. And there <laughs> is something really beautiful about it because sometimes the less you know about jumping in, like you didn't know when you dropped out of college, like what was going to happen. You just knew you had an idea. You had this passion. It was in your gut. It was in your heart. And then you, you took it, you took it out there and you started making some money. So from there, so that was it. I didn't know you were a personal trainer. I am a personal trainer too. Oh, I Um, love it. Yeah. That's where it all started was health and wellness coaching, health and wellness eBooks, my first sponsors on my blog, you know, these granola companies that paid me 20 bucks to put their name at the bottom. I mean, I thought I was like crushing it. Right. I was like, yes, 20 bucks. Let's go. I I was just so naive. And I think there's something beautiful about that. And in the fact that, I don't know, there's all these quotes that, um, the most successful entrepreneurs were stupid enough to think it was going to work. And I think, I think I have a little bit of that in me. And I just always thought, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. If other people could figure this out online, I could figure this out. Even though my insecurity was, I'm not smart enough. I don't have a college degree. I thought, okay, if this random bro on YouTube could figure it out, I can figure this out. And I was just hungry. You know, when you're hungry to pay off debt and you're hungry to create a life that you want, which now I'm so grateful at 30 years old that I've created this, this life and this freedom financially and time-wise that now I can start a family. Like that was so worth it to spend 10 years obsessed and, and, and not really having a huge social life and doing this. So then now I can have more of a life. And so, yeah, everyone thought I was crazy. They were like, this is stupid. No one's going to pay for blogs and podcasts. I was like, yeah, they are just wait. People are going to pay to listen to podcasts. So where did it go from there? So people were listening, you were getting endorsements, you were getting sponsors. So you're like, well, I'm really onto something here. Um, you're totally obsessed with what what you see as the future for you as to make money in your own way without feeling like you're boxed in, without feeling like you have to dress a certain way. You're just, you're totally being yourself, which yeah. I, I love, 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 love because it, it, it takes people a really long time. And um, from my generation, you know, we're, we're, we're taught a certain way. And I'm so happy that the younger generation, my kids, your age, um, are thinking outside of the box because they don't want what necessarily mom and dad have. They see the differences. And I love that because they're allowing themselves to be creative. Yeah. So once you saw that this was like, hey, I'm onto something, where did you take it from there? Yeah, it's interesting. I so I started making a few hundred dollars a week, gosh, maybe a grand a month with online coaching, ebooks. And that's when I realized, okay, this, this can be a thing, but still it's not full time. So I was still working the part-time jobs, which I want a lot of entrepreneurs to know because there's this fallacy that people just burn the boat to make a million dollars overnight. And that's definitely not what happened. I definitely had to work side jobs to then use any extra money to put into the website or a business coach or a conference or anything I wanted to invest in. So I'm putting out content. And then I started the podcast, not knowing what I was doing at all, literally bought a $50 mic and was like, I think you're talking to this thing. I don't really know. Now when was I, this? How long ago was this? This is five years ago. Wow. <laughs> five years ago. I was like, I don't really know. I know how to create content on Instagram and Facebook and, and video content. And that was working really well. I was building this community, but I didn't know how to start a podcast, but I Googled it. I remember at the time I had a guy friend who was really techie. So I paid him to come over. I was like, Hey, I'll get you a Chicago deep dish pizza and 50 bucks. Come over, teach me how to use this mic, please. Cause I'm not techie. I literally don't even know how to plug it in. He's like, fine. Okay. He taught me how to plug it in. Literally. I, you know, the rest is history because I became obsessed with sharing content 
And I stayed really consistent with it. Again, I know that's like the unsexy secret, but I really enjoyed the process, which helped me to stay consistent. And then from there, that's kind of where everything really grew into physical products, events, all these other things is when I really doubled down on the show and social and building that community. And I always put community first. So that was really smart in that I played the long game. I wasn't trying to make a quick buck on social media. I was in it to build a brand that I can have in my sixties. And so that was always the intention going in was, okay, I want to build something that isn't just a quick buck. I want to build something that is a sustainable personal brand. So let's talk about what you said, consistency, which is, I talk about consistency all the time in workouts and food, in everyday life. If you want anything, if you want someone to love you, if you want to be loved by that person, if you want to get a dog and you want to train that dog, whatever it is, kids, you want to train them to get out of diapers. You need to be consistent in everything that you do. So how are you able to stay consistent in your show, knowing what your message was, did your message change a lot? Like, what would you tell somebody right now who's thinking about, like, every other person has a podcast right now? You started it five years ago when there weren't a lot of podcasters out there. Yeah. So you were ahead of the game. But as far as consistency goes, what what would be your advice to tell people how to stay consistent? Yeah. It's interesting because I remember five years ago thinking I'm super behind everybody and their grandma already has a podcast. And now we're in 2020 and we're having that same conversation. And I do believe that it is saturated, but not competitive. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people doing it, but only so many people doing it well and actually showing up, being authentic, doing it consistently, having a niche, knowing who they're speaking to. That's such a small percentage. It's maybe the 1% of podcasts. The rest of them are just, you know, throwing shit at the wall and that's fine. But to actually have intention behind the content is, is really what separates a show that grows and one that really doesn't after a while. And so I go in with the intention of serving the woman that I'm, I'm speaking to. And yes, a lot of it started more so with this wellness content, motivational content. My show's original name was Hungry for More. So that was the initial show. And then it's transitioned. And now I bring in marketing, wellness, a little bit more lifestyle-y stuff, but it's mostly heavily business marketing. And then, and then wellness will always kind of be a side passion for me. And I'm bringing it in even more now after I've, I've really focused on the niche of marketing. So for me, it was always knowing who I'm speaking to, making sure it, it was somewhat niche specific, because I do think a lot of these generic shows now get lost in the weeds because people aren't just searching for lifestyle in general, unless you're literally Kim Kardashian. And even then, like, I don't even know if I would really listen to her podcast, you know? So I, it, it really comes down to knowing who you're speaking to, who is the show for, And for me, it's always been a really symbiotic relationship. So even today, going through my DMs and listening and responding to the women who say, hey, I loved your show. This really helped me. I'll say, hey, why? What about this episode helped? What do you want to hear more of? We put that into a Word doc, me and my team. And then that helps me to create more content. So once I started to get some response from the show, I took that and then reverse engineered it and would create more of that. So it really created this beautiful symbiotic relationship with my audience where they'll where they think that I'm in their head. And it's because I listen so much as a marketer. And I think a lot of people just have a show because they want to hear themselves talk. And that's the worst reason to have a podcast. And it prohibits a lot of people from growing because they're not actually doing it for the listener and they're being more selfish than selfless. So I listen to my people a lot. I listen to the listeners, every single response to the show. I think, gosh, I've responded to almost every single person who has said, Hey, I love this show. This was helpful. Why did you like it? What could I do better? What could I change? I mean, I'm, I'm very intimate with the community. And that's allowed me to build a show that, that really grew pretty fast then because I actually cared about the content. You know, I'm a good producer too. Like I produce it. I I'm everything. And so for me, it's, 
it's beyond just speaking into a mic. It's actually like taking each piece of, of the podcast into consideration. So, so <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm to, pretty type A about it. I'm like very no, obsessed with it. I completely understand. And so I love that. That's yeah. probably why you were able to be so consistent because it was so authentic. It was so, it was so true to who you are. And I think that's the point to make to so many people out there who don't know what they want to do. They're confused. Well, should I be? And I want to talk t- about comparisonitis. Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love all your words. I want to talk about all of this stuff too, because I think it's so important for people to understand because the things you talk about, Angie, are the things that everybody struggles with. You really nail it. And I think it's because you're just being you. And I'm sure you've heard this one gazillion times, but when you got behind that microphone, you just, you spoke from the heart. Then you listened to what the people said. And then you said, let me give you more of what you want to hear. And is that the advice you would give to somebody who doesn't know who they are, doesn't know where they want to go, but knows that where they are isn't where they're happy? What would you tell them? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good, good question. Empathy is your superpower as a communicator and as a marketer. And so speak on things that you have gone through yourself. And that is what then creates that really deep intimacy with your audience because they can feel that you feel it. And so when I was speaking about health and wellness and my eating issues and dieting and all of those things, it was coming from a, it was coming from a grounded, authentic place. It was coming from my heart. And so then when I was coaching on nutrition and wellness, they could tell, Hey, she, she's in this, they could tell that she has experienced this same pain. And so for me, I'm coaching and teaching things that I've gone through myself And now with marketing, I'm like, hey, this is the mistake I made. This is what I tried. This is what I'm doing. So it's coming from a grounded, authentic place because there's empathy. And then this goes in line with consistency as well. I have a lot of fun with it. And people are attracted to energy, right? They're attracted to people who are enjoying what they're doing. And I think if you listen to my show, I hope, I mean, this is the feedback I get. People can tell that I love it. I love what I do. And so we all want to be part of something and watch someone who loves what they do, no matter what that is. You know, like I love seeing people just self-express doing what they were born to do. And so for me, I, I've added a level of, I added a level of weirdness to it. I added fun to it. And that helped me to stay consistent because I actually wanted to show up and keep in mind four ish years ago, when I wanted to then shift the show into more marketing, there weren't a lot of fun marketing podcasts and There's some really great women doing marketing shows. They're awesome. I respect them, but they're really boring to me. I'm just going to be real. (laughs) Yeah, they're just. I have to tell you that listening. And I couldn't do it. No, and listening to the marketing shows, they 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 gave me anxiety. I was thinking (laughs) about all the things that I should be doing. You know, when you talk about that, and I know you talk about it. The email list, the email list, the email list. That would just freak me out, and I'm like, ah, you know. And I would just turn it off and go to something like true crime stories or something like that, because it was something that was not what I do. So, yeah. So how did you, when you decided to switch over to marketing, what made you cross over to marketing? Why did you feel like there was a need for people to hear what you had to say? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I shifted the show from wellness to marketing, again, I noticed that all of them were really boring, really dry. I was like, oh my gosh, stick a pencil in my eyeball. I feel like I'm back in school. And you have to realize as someone who always struggled in school, I I wanted to become the teacher that I always wish I had. So I love making teaching fun. I mean, edutainment is, is my niche. And so for me, I love when people are like, oh, you make it seem easy and fun. And that's how you should feel with business. I mean, it's not always easy and fun, but at least 
bringing a levity to something so serious, which is marketing, right? And all these shows are like funnels, emailers, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, ah, screw it all. I don't want to do it. And I just, I want people to feel like it's doable because it is, you know, everything I do is organic. I don't run ads. I've, I've just been myself and I want to show other women that's possible. And so, yeah, I think, I think what happened is, um, and how it transitioned is women started reaching out to me after I was doing wellness coaching for a while. And they saw that I eventually went full-time as a wellness coach online. Women started emailing me saying, Hey, how did you do that? How did you create an ebook? How did you launch a course? How did you do one-on-one coaching? How did you work with brands? How did you do that? And then, and, and it was funny because I didn't really have a package or anything. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have an offer at the time when they would email me this. So I started to get this feedback realizing, Oh, wow, I do have this natural, like gift for marketing, I may as well start sharing how I'm doing it. And so I started to put together offers. I mean, the first girl I worked with, I think I charged her like 600 bucks for 18 calls, like something ridiculous. I was just like, yeah, woo, whatever. Cause I just didn't value myself. And so, but also, you know what you think about it, you don't know you. And that I think touching upon the value also, I'm sure you teach that in your courses valuing what you know. So many people do not do that and they sell, but what do you know? I mean, this is your first one. So you do it for like cheapo and you're like, wait a minute, I could do this for more. Yeah. And, and the benefit of that as well as one building confidence to getting social proof. And at that time I really hadn't done full-time marketing coaching. I was just doing more wellness. And so for people to be reaching out saying, Hey, how did you launch your website? How do you do social media? How do you craft posts? How do you niche down these things that came so natural to me? And I was studying myself. I realized, oh, wow, I could help others with this because I've gone through this myself. And so, yeah, a few girls started emailing me saying, hey, I want help with this. And I was like, really? What? People want to pay people to teach them social media? That's crazy. That's a thing. And now it's like this thing, obviously, but I didn't really realize it was a thing. So I started sharing about it on the show. I created a few offers around it. I did some coaching on it. And that's what I did for a while is is one-on-one coaching or group coaching. That was a large part of my business a few years ago. Now I'm completely phased out of that. How long did you do? How long did you do the marketing coaching? Oh gosh, three years, two and a half, three years. Yeah. That was, that was a big part of, of my business. And that was my business model was I had uh, an online educational school for wellness coaches, teaching them marketing. And then I did one-on-one marketing and social media coaching. And that's what I was doing. And it was super lucrative, but I hated coaching. So I, eventually phased out of that and set the intention to get out of coaching, but it was great for the experience and and the money. And it was great in the beginning. And that's how I started because women started reaching out. And I think that's what happens a lot in life is you love something, you're showing up to it and people will start saying to you, Hey, how do you do this? Or, Hey, can you help me with this? And that's how you know that maybe you can teach on something. I think that's the biggest takeaway from what you're saying so far. And I know you have so many more things to share with us is that do what you love. I know people hear that all the time. Do what you love and blah, blah, blah. But you have to do it with, you know, do what you love, but it's still a business. That's what I think people don't understand is, yes, you can do what you love because now you don't feel like you're in jail. You don't feel like you're boxed in. You feel like there are no rules that you create the rules, but it's still work. Oh, yes. It's definitely still work. And something that I stress to women is, and you see this on Pinterest, you see all the cute quotes that are like, just do what you love and the money will flow and follow. And you're just like, eh, I don't know. I like a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't get paid to do. So I, I don't know if that's fully true. So my thought is do what you love, but it needs to also be something that you have some skills in, right? It's something that you've experienced yourself. You can help at least one person with, you don't have to be 
the expert of all experts and have done it for 30 years, but at least have some experience. And then two, is this something the market actually wants? And that beautiful intersection, or it's also known as Ikigai, this exercise can help people to really identify their profitable purpose or their niche. But for me, I, I do think that is something that is overdone on Instagram and social media is just do what you love, just do what you love. And I'm like, I don't know. Some things that I love are just my hobbies. They're not a business. <laughs> right, right. You, you can't know? take, you can't take, I always told my daughters, do something that you love, but realize it's going to be a job because otherwise it is a hobby. And, you know, you have to recognize that early on. Yep. And so somebody, I want to talk about branding and business. Yeah. So you coached, now you don't really coach anymore. You said, I, I listened to your podcast about why you stopped coaching. Could you share with us why you did stop coaching? Yeah, it's interesting because when I started, I thought that was the only way to make money because that's all that I knew. You you know what you know, right? And until you know differently, you can't really do differently. And so I thought that was the only way to make money online in marketing. And I also realized that because my volume or my audience, my customer base was smaller, I was going to have to do something that was more medium or high ticket. And so I stuck with coaching for a bit with the intention of hopefully in a few years, I'll be able to slowly phase out of this, go full-time influencer, full-time affiliate marketer and podcaster. But I knew I wasn't ready yet for that. I mean, yes, my book is called Ready is Alive, but I emotionally was ready, but I needed to, to, to really keep building my audience and building my community. So I focused on community building every single day and said, you know what, bring so much value that, that, that your show is, is growing, you know? And so I set the intention to build the community. And along the way, I realized that my personality type definitely was, I realized along the way that my personality type is definitely more one-to-many than one-to-one. And I don't feel a sense of fulfillment when I'm one-to-one coaching. And there are women and men listening to this who might love that. And that is your jam. I have friends who do that. They love it. It sets their heart on fire awesome, cool. They make great money, but it just wasn't my vision long-term. And so after doing it for a few years, it became really clear to me that energetically, I don't like coaching. I don't want to coach. Like it's very exhausting for me. I was just going to say that it's very exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Well, As somebody for, who's for, been doing it for like 11 years. Yeah. For certain personality types, it's for certain personality types, it can be exhausting. And for others, it can be, it can be invigorating. And so you have to have self-awareness, the Enneagram, you got to really figure yourself out, try things to figure out what you're good at, what you're not. And I realized it was exhausting. I was making great money, but I, I eventually hated it. And then I got introduced to affiliate marketing and influencer marketing and podcasting and working with brands. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if I can replace this income with brand sponsorship so that my audience pays me nothing, it's completely free for them, except I'm working with brands. That would be my dream. I literally remember sitting there one day with my ex being like, oh my God, my dream would be just to speak and teach every day. And I don't have to ask anybody for a dollar. Like that would be my dream. He's like, okay, have fun with that. And I'm like, I'm going to do that one day. And it's, it's crazy. And I was just telling Clay this the other day, literally a few days ago, I was like, how surreal is it that I wrote that down in a sticky note and I set that intention. And now that's literally as of gosh, this year, that's literally what I do. I'm literally paid to just talk. I make enough in brand sponsorships to have literally more than a full-time job. Like that's insanity to me. That's insane. That's so weird. That's so weird. But it didn't happen overnight. You worked really, really hard and you set an intention. And I talk about setting intentions a lot that they really mean something. And one of my clients said recently to me about setting intentions, she she said, Jody, I know that whenever you set an intention, it happens. It just happens. And I think um, what happens is that, um, that we believe in it so much that that it does happen. And, you know, you have to see yourself actually walking through those steps and seeing yourself doing it. Yeah. And that's when it becomes something real. 
So let's talk about brand versus business. So, or product, Mm. where does somebody start? They, they have a product. They're not sure of their brand. Let's, because people get very confused about that whole branding part. Where do you start? Where do you tell somebody to start? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of building community first always. And I don't care if you sell butt cream, you sell blankets and mugs on Etsy, you're a network marketer, you're a coach, you are a wellness mentor, you're an influencer. It doesn't really matter at this point in 20, almost 2021, what you're doing online. My brother and I own a CBD line, a wellness DTC line. I mean, if you think about it, we are the face of the brand. That's still very important. And so there's not many businesses right now where it doesn't, doesn't need some sort of humanization to it whether that is you have influencers being the face of it, or it's you as the owner, especially if you're a coach listening. I mean, oh my goodness. Yes. They're buying you. They're working with you intimately. Yes. You need to put yourself out there. And so I'm a huge fan of playing the long game and, and creating content that allows people to get to know you in some capacity versus just selling products. Um, <laughs> the irony is when you do that, it's actually easier than to sell products. And I believe when you build brand, then you can sell anything. And that was always the intention too, right? Is now I have a few different business models and things working for me, but that's all because I've focused on building the Angie Lee brand before I was obsessed with and focused on, okay, just got to sell this product or I'm only in network marketing and that's all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. When that's really not what happens for most people. Most people try out something and then transition into something else. So the best thing you could do is, is have a personal brand as the backup, because think about it. If you don't have a community and you don't have customers, you don't have a business. You need customers. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think people realize that they themselves are the brand. They think the product or the service is the brand. And it's not until you realize what's the person or who's selling this product, who's selling this, this service. It's you. Yep. And you are the brand there. So I think a lot of people do find that with a lot of women that you coached or a lot of women that you talked to that they struggle with that themselves being the brand. Yeah, especially in network marketing or they have a physical product, even in DTC now, I notice that a lot of people don't want to be the face of it or they feel like that's not important, but you'll realize that, but but you'll notice that the, the brands that are the most successful are the ones that are attaching that humanization and that personal brand to it because, listen, the amount of DMs I get, because listen, the amount of DMs I get for women that are like, hey, the reason I bought your gummies is because I love you and Mike. I feel like I know you guys. I trust you. I trust you so much that I'm going to go buy something and then put it in my body. And that's a big deal. And I don't take that yeah, for I need granted. To try so it's harder to, you know, it's harder to, um, it's harder to sell something to someone when there's no humanization to it because people are getting hit with ads all day. And so to know that by me putting myself out there, they trust me more, which they should, because I'm only going to sell stuff that I actually like, then it, it just, it's the only way to do it. But I understand some people don't want to do that. You know, do you think there's fear? Do you think there's fear? Like they fear Um, putting themselves out there? Oh yeah. I think, I think there's two things going on. One, is it just fear of putting yourself out there? Yeah. That's a whole conversation. That's a whole podcast in itself. That's actually what I'm recording today after this. But the other thing is some people truly don't want that. And if not, that's totally fine. And you need to hire influencers or other people then to be the face of, of the brand. Some people don't want it. I mean, my job is really energy rich. It's very energy exhausting. Um, like this right now, even this hour takes a lot out of me. It's a lot I'm on right now, you know? And so people don't realize like being on all the time, 
is friggin' exhausting. And I so just, I, I, yeah, I just did a post about that I'm last night. I was supposed to do a video last night on Instagram and I, I couldn't, I just didn't have it in me. I was exhausted. And I posted about being exhausted after I listened to you live. Cause you were going live and I'm like, Oh, she's kind of giving me the push to go do this. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I didn't have it. I just didn't have it in me. So I totally get it. And I think it's important to honor yourself when, when you don't have it, but but it is. I mean, this is if this is who your brand is, you've got to have that high energy all the time. Yeah. But also yeah. know when to give yourself that break. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have good boundaries around it. Um, I also do a lot of self-care. I mean, I, I'm, I have no shame around it. I do all the biohacks. I have a masseuse come over. I have lymphatic drainage come over. I have a personal trainer. I'm just like, no shame in my game. I invest a lot into wellness and biohacking because I am the product and people and brands and companies now are literally paying me to be energized. And so I put a lot into my self-care and I sleep a lot. I mean, I am on my wellness game because if I feel like shit, I can't do stuff like this, you know? And so as much as it scares me a little bit because there's like, oh shoot, is this sustainable? Am I always going to want to do this? There's also a level of, you know, I enjoy it and in figuring out how I'm going to do it as I get older and things like that. But I think, I think if you have the energy of, of, I think if you're someone who wants to put yourself out there, it, it comes a little bit easier, but still even extroverted people hey, who, who love listen, it, it's hard. Right. Like I, yeah. somebody asked me, do I ever get tired? Yeah, I get tired. And like I said, I'm going to be 60 at the end of this year. Like how old it, do you feel though? I feel like I'm 35. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I feel like I'm 35. I think I have 36. It's the 27th. So today's the third. So I have 24 more days until my birthday. Oh my God. And you're probably but I, super healthy, right? Like you work out a lot and yeah, I mean, it's everything you're talking about, yeah. about self-care. I work out. I eat I eat very, very healthy. Um, I try to drink as much water as I can, but I do. I make that time for myself because if, you know, if you don't feel good, you're not going to be able to deliver on, on what you need to deliver for other people yeah. and help them because we're yeah. here to help other people and the people listening right now. We're here to help you. And hopefully everything that we're saying to you right now, you hear us loud and clear, whether it's for business or personally. You know, uh, I wanted to talk to you also about your book. I yeah. know that you're you're writing it and what is it about? And I know there's been some struggles and, you know, walk me through that a little bit. Where did the book idea come from? Yeah, I've, I've had this book in mind for maybe two and a half years. So, I wanted to wait until Paisley Brave was on hold because that took so much energy and time. That's and your money. public speaking. That's my 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 live event. Yeah, my live event. And so uh, it got canceled this year, and I realized that was a sign to finally get this book done. Uh, the book had a different name initially, but it came to me in the car, and I was like, you know, the book is just about how like being ready and taking action is just like the biggest lie we've ever been told. And then Clay was like, Oh my God, ready is a lie. And I was like, Oh my God, ready is a lie. And so we like freaked out I and I was like, it. holy shit. And he was like, holy shit. That's one of the best titles ever. I'm like, I know. And we're in the car. I got to write it down. And so that came about a year ago. And then I, I hired a company who helps me now. I have a supportive writer and we're diving deep into it. We're almost done with the manuscript. And yeah, it's been cool. And I decided to self-publish so I can be in control of the marketing, the creative, all of it. I'm not a huge fan of publishers. And so for me, I decided that route. I'm excited to go. Hopefully it will be done by February and um, we'll uh, get rocking and rolling with it. But it's essentially about, you guys can probably assume what ready is alive means. It's essentially about starting messy and how the most successful people in the world 
didn't have the answers. They still don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. And so (laughs) it's about taking messy action every day. And the book format's really cool in that it's not a traditional like start at the beginning, go to the end book. I think that's boring. And so I was like, okay, I want it different. So it's a daily, it's almost like daily little parables that are going to motivate you to take action. And so it's like Ryan Holiday, Daily Stoic meets like poop jokes and motivation. All right. So let's talk about so the I'm poop excited. jokes. I can't wait for the book to come out. I can't wait to read it. Um, what, like what's up with the poop jokes and your grandbabies or what, are they, what do you call them? Not grandbabies because you're only 30. So it's the... the Baby grandma. Baby grandma, right. So that's what I call, that's a good name for my oldest daughter because she's a baby grandma. Oh, yay. We need to get her a baby grandma mug. (laughs) Yeah, she's totally a baby grandma. I am not, nor is my my youngest daughter. So tell me where that came from. Is that how you like look at yourself? Yeah, yeah. I've just always been an old soul (laughs) and a young body. And so what happened is 10 years ago in college when I was starting the blog, I made a joke to my roommate one day and I was like, you know, I just never go out. I don't want to party. Um, I'm basically a baby and a grandma if, <laughs> if they came together and she's like, Oh, it's like a baby grandma. I'm like, yeah. So I started it, started the hashtag. Now it's a community. It's the name of my tribe. We have a merchandise shop. It's a whole thing. And so baby grandma has become my life and now part of my business. I love it. I love it. And it's so you, it's so, it's so authentic, which yes. leads me to my next question. What which is what does fearlessly authentic mean to you? Like, what does it mean to live a fearlessly authentic life and be fearlessly authentic every day? Yeah, I think it means being so fully you that it inspires other people to be themselves too. And for me, that's being super weird. Maybe for you listening, that's something else, but I believe that really what we're all attracted to and, and what's contagious and what we want more of is just authenticity. And so when you are fully you self-expressed, other people want to be fully them and self-expressed and doing it in a way where it's pretty unapologetic. I mean, I talked about this yesterday in the stories. It's it's hard to do that when your life is public in a sense, because people give you feedback and not everybody's going to like it. But I think being fearlessly authentic is knowing like, hey, I'm going to do it regardless, even if 5% of people don't love it and that and it's not for them and that's okay. I think it's scary to get in that trap of where we're trying to make everybody happy. And so being authentic is about knowing you're not going to please everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great way to live your life. It really yeah. is. And we didn't get to the comparisonitis. Luckily, I looked at my notes for a second. So I think that kind of plays into being fearlessly authentic also is when you start playing the compare game. Can you, we have a, just a few minutes. Can you touch upon that comparisonitis and how you came up with that? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is one of my gremlins. I call them the fear gremlins. This is probably the biggest one for me is and social media makes this so easy, right? You're literally scrolling and comparing your life, your body, your business, your career, your bank account, your husband, your kids, your everything to somebody else that you've never met on the internet and everybody's showing their highlight reel. And so I think especially now in female entrepreneurship or just entrepreneurship in general, we're seeing the highlight reel of, I made $100,000 this month. Woo, it's so easy. And here's my supermodel husband and my perfect kids. And here's our perfect kitchen and house. And yay, we just love each other. And it's like, what the... F is going on, you know? And like these women who are like ripped while they're pregnant, like it's just, it's overwhelming. I don't know what the hell is going on, you know? And so I think there's like just comparisonitis is just on the rise. And so just reminding ourselves that you are enough, your life is enough. And the whole purpose of social media isn't to feel like you need somebody else's life or business. It's to just obviously know that you are enough, right? And your life is already enough. And I think that's, that's the biggest pickle we live in right now is comparisonitis. And then also 
it's just wasting time. We're just consuming so many other people's content versus asking ourselves, what's my truth? What's my voice? What's my mission? Let me go create that piece of content versus like, oh, I need to create what Susie's creating, or I need to just compare my life and my business to, to Susie's. So yeah, comparisonitis will get you. It is, it is raining. Amen to that because so many women struggle with that. I'm sure there are some men too, but I know that you and I speak to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. So Angie, how do people get in touch with you any, anyway, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, you guys can find me at, at Angie Lee Show on Instagram, Angie Lee Show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to podcasts, AngieLee.com, and then check out our CBD line at, uh, well, I just said at, it's MySoulCBD.com <laughs> or at MySoulCBD on, on Instagram. So, <laughs> Okay, I need to try those out. Thank yes. you. Thank you so, so much. I know you have a huge day today. And thank you for the great energy. Thank you for such great information and content, everything. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.